Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. So we're, we're wrapping up a series on prayer, and it's been a good series. Have you guys learned a little bit? I've learned a lot of bit just in studying and digging in. And really, honestly, when it comes to the topic of prayer, you could teach on it forever. Like even this week as I was going through, and because this week we're going to talk about the pattern of prayer. I've kept it all P's. So the first week was um, the purpose of prayer. The second week was the promise of prayer. Last week we talked about the posture of prayer and that how we posture things and how we posture is essentially the attitude in which you um, address a person or a situation. And that when we come to prayer, we need to make sure that we don't just have the correct physical posture, but we need to have the right spiritual posture. And so we we talked about coming with a posture of righteousness, coming with a posture of boldness and, and persistence and expectation. And then as we were kind of wrapping up in prayer yesterday, I just really sensed the Holy Spirit, God telling us that above all of that, that we come to him with a posture of a child and entrusting that our Heavenly Father is going to do what he's promised in his word that he will do. And he will answer because his promise is he will hear us and he will answer us. And we know like a lot of times that answer may not look like what we think it's going to look like. So let me encourage you, if you've missed a week over the last four weeks, go back to our podcast. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes. It's even on Amazon and iHeartRadio and Pandora, I think. So um, and share that with some friends. I think we're averaging somewhere around 30 to 40 downloads a week on our podcast, which I was really shocked. So you guys are either listening a lot or you're passing it on to strangers and friends and whatnot. So make sure you go back and listen because I want us, I don't want you to quit growing in prayer just because we stopped talking about it. I want you to continue because this is a, one of the things that we've said, like prayer is just a conversation with God. When we boil it down in, in, in its simplest form and take away all the complications and, and take away like all the expectations that we think it should look like and we think it should sound like, it is simply a conversation with God. And it is a conversation that never, never ends because we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul is writing to the church and, and he says this, he says, never stop praying. Other translations say to pray without ceasing. That's okay. You guys know that one, right? Never stop praying. You're like, man, does that mean like pray all day? Yeah, that means pray all day. Does that mean pray all night? Yeah, that means pray all night. But I think sometimes we have this, this picture of what we think it should look like. So there's this incredible uh, story at the end of Jesus's life as he's getting ready to be arrested and, and by the Pharisees and crucified. And he takes his disciples right after the Last Supper and he goes um, to the garden 
to pray. And it says that going a little further, this is Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, verses 39 through 40, he's, he takes his guys, uh, all 11 of them, because Judas at this point has left. And so he takes the 11. He leaves some maybe at the entrance of the garden. Then he takes Peter, James, and John and goes a little further into the garden. And then he leaves them there and goes even a little further. And it says, going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my what? Will. But as you will. Some of you may have it known as not my will be done, but your will be done. And then Jesus returned to the disciples and found them what? Sleeping. And I don't know the tone in which he made this last statement. I don't know if he was angry, if he was disappointed, if, if he was upset. But he said, were you not able to keep watch with me for one hour? And he asked Peter this. Peter's getting in all kinds of trouble. You read scripture, he's getting in all kinds of trouble. And so he asked, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? And essentially what he's asking is, could you not stay awake with me and pray? How many of you have tried to pray late at night after a long day? How well does that go? <laughs> not good, <laughs> not good. Like there's been so many times even praying with my kids, like about getting them in the bed at like nine o'clock and I'm, I'm saying prayers with them and as I'm praying, I just slowly doze off to sleep. Anybody else maybe, right? You guys are more righteous than me. And so Millie is the point, like she will, she will wake me up and it's like, dad, you gotta finish. <laughs> she, she's the most spiritual person. In, like I'm gonna get up, get her up here one Sunday, and she'll preach the house down. She is the most spiritual person in our house. But we read this, and like Jesus is like, could you not? I'm sorry, my my other daughters are spiritual as well. <laughs> Ella's like, what about me? <laughs> right? What about me? And she crawls under the chair. Right? But. But so we read this and it's like, Jesus says, can you not pray with me one hour as if like, dude, you should be able to do this. If I asked you to pray with me for one hour, how would you respond? One hour? <laughs> like legitimately, we think about praying for an hour. Some of you, I know like there's been moments I'm like an hour, like when I first started out praying, an hour seemed like all day. At my previous church, when I went on staff there in 2012, like we had a requirement before we could go into our office we had to go somewhere else and pray. And we couldn't go into our office and pray because guess what would happen when we started going to our office? I would check email, start working, and so our pastor would not let us go into the office. And so we had a bunch of young guys coming on staff for a bit, and they would go like everywhere. They would go into the nursery and find the rocking chairs and take a posture of sitting to listen and learn, but it was a posture of sleeping. And so our pastor, this, this is how much he valued prayer. And I'm so thankful for it. He would walk through the church to find us. And if he would find us not praying, then he would bring us all into the auditorium and we would pray together. Now that seems extreme, right? It's like, come on. But Jesus understood how difficult prayer was. I'm like, come on, guys, can you not pray with me? And so for us, I don't want our prayer growth to end after today. I want it to be something that we continue to do. And for some of you, I'm not expecting you to go out and pray an hour today this afternoon. Because can I be completely honest? You, 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 you may not succeed in that. And then you will get discouraged and you will allow the enemy to speak into you and saying you're not good enough. 
you're never gonna get this down right. Can I be like real? And so for you, maybe it's praying 15 minutes on the way to work, 15 minutes on the way home. Guess what? In the course of a day, you've prayed 30 minutes. And as you're building your endurance, then what was once a drudge or a discipline, it's my desire for you will become a desire and it will become a delight. And before you know it, like in all honesty, 10 or 15 years ago, like 30 minutes would, I'd be like, man, I got like another five minutes. And then I would like pray and I'm like, oh, I got like another two minutes, right? Trying to do that. But now like in all honesty, I'm not, because I know if I can get there, you can get there. And that, that the time will fly by and you have gotten lost in prayer and in listening and reading God's word. And so, but, but how do we do that, right? So we, we've given you the, um, the, the how comes instead of the how to, right? Because we always wanna jump to the how to. How do we do this, right? But I've spent three weeks giving you the how come or the why. Because the why is way more important than the what or the how. But in, in, in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, Jesus spends quite a bit of time in teaching the disciples about prayer. And so I want to encourage you, go back and, and read those chapters and see what Jesus says. And maybe read it you know, every day for the next couple of weeks now that we finish this, or at least a couple of times a week, to see what Jesus is saying about prayer and how he is teaching prayer. Because he, he makes this statement in Luke or in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. The disciples actually came and asked Jesus how to pray. This was the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach him how to do, teach them how to do. Jesus didn't teach the disciples how to preach. He didn't teach them how to interpret scripture. He didn't teach them um, how to heal people other than through prayer. And so Jesus says this, this then is how you should pray. And so then he begins what we know as the Lord's Prayer. This is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today or this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some transcripts say, for yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so we read that. And so what I want you to understand, this isn't a script for you to read. This is a pattern for you to follow. This is a pattern. Inside this is a pattern. And, and if prayer is new to you, this is the most important thing I can teach you. There are all different types of prayer in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's, there's Peter's prayers. There's Paul's prayers. We see David praying and, and Saul praying. We see all these different prayers. But, but if I can help you understand this pattern that Jesus presents then your prayer life can grow from 10 minutes to 15 to 30 to an hour because you will find that you actually have a lot to talk about. Because how many of you know, like when you're first starting a, a conversation or a relationship with someone, there's a lot of awkward silence, right? There's, there's like, all right, that's about all I got to say, <laughs> right? You know, if you say that in a conversation, that person's probably never gonna talk to you again, right? But, but it can be awkward when you're first starting a conversation and it may not go 15 minutes. But as you build that relationship, you find you can just get lost in conversation for hours. And so this isn't something that I want you guys to recite. 
that may be a good place to start. Like when I was coaching um, middle school basketball right out of college, maybe I was still my into my senior year, and I was coaching a middle school YMCA team in Clarksville. And they started every game with the Lord's Prayer. I was 22, 23 years old at this point, and it was up to the coaches to lead the Lord's Prayer. I did not know the Lord's Prayer. And like I was more nervous about having to pray with all these middle schoolers and coaches and parents than I was about coaching the game. And so finally the day comes, like I was dodging it every week. Like I was that guy not raising my hand, not making eye contact because I didn't want the ref to call on me. And so it's time and it's like, hey, Stephen, how about you pray for us this morning? I'm like, okay. And I knew the first part and I was like, our father which art in heaven, and I heard everyone else start praying, and their voices got a little louder, and I was like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And everyone else carried it, and I was like, oh, I got that. So I don't want you to think, like, this is something that you have to memorize. Don't judge. I know it now, right? But it's not something that you have to memorize. But hopefully I can give you these points that will help you kind of see a pattern because it's not what to pray. Jesus says He doesn't say this is what you pray, but he says this is how you pray. And so it starts out, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when you come to God in prayer, make sure you spend some time in praise. Make sure you spend some time in praise and just acknowledging that 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 word hallowed be your name really means is like make sure, like I acknowledge that your name is holy. I acknowledge that, that that you are set apart. I acknowledge that, that you are righteous. We do this on Sunday mornings when Jonathan and the team leads us, and, and, and we celebrate the bigness of God. Scripture says that, that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into his courts with praise. And so thanksgiving and gratitude gets us on the property, right? It gets us through the gate. It gets us on God's property. Come on, Kirk Franklin, GP, are you with me? Anybody, right? It gets us... On the property, but it's praise that gets us in his courts and in his presence because he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And so it says that that your name be made holy. And, And some of you may not know, like God has a multitude of names in scripture. And each name is an attribute to part of his character. And I could do a whole sermon series on God's names and how we have Um, influence and authority and rights and blessings based on his name, not just ours. Jehovah Nisi means he is our banner of victory. Jehovah Ra means he is our shepherd and our friend. Jehovah Rapha means that he is the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shalom means that he is our peace. And we know this one, Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. It's an old school name that Maverick City has brought back to the forefront and and helping us, I think, understand that our economy is not our provider. Our government officials are not our provider. They are a stream of provision, but our Jehovah, our Lord, our God, he is our Jireh, our provider. But see, when we begin to understand these characteristics of his name, then what we're doing is we're putting God back in his rightful place. We're putting God back on the throne of our life because so many times, whether we acknowledge it or not, we will take God off the throne and we will put ourselves there. 
and, and, and we will begin making decisions without including him. And so when we come into God's presence and we come with an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of praise, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you are God and I'm not. You are powerful and the strength that I have is because of you. So he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We praise your name. Second thing Jesus says in this, and so we come with an attitude of praise. The second thing he says is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our prayer time, we are praying God's agenda, not ours. God's ultimate agenda, not just for our lives, but for our nation, for our community, for our family. And when you look at a kingdom, every kingdom has a what? King. And that kingdom operates based on how the king wants. And so in God's kingdom, things are operated God's way. And so we have to come to a place of surrender to God's agenda. We have our plans, we have our ideas, but ultimately it is his will that we have to submit to. We see, the, we see Jesus doing this over and over and over. Anytime he's praying, anytime he's teaching and he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders and even to the disciples, he says, I only say what my father tells me to say. I only do what my father tells me to do. Come on. Like, how many of you like wish your kids would do that, right? God's the same way with us. He's like, if you would just do what I'm telling you to do, if you would just say what I'm telling you to say, if you would just allow me to lead and guide you and follow my will and not yours, and Jesus is, is, is the last prayer at the end of his life, he even says this, God, Father, if there's anything that you can do to, to avoid this, to take this cup from me, this cup of suffering, this sacrifice, this thing that I'm about to endure. There's anything that you can do, please. But his final prayer is not my will, but your will. And so many times, like, we don't, we don't submit to that. We don't say that. We don't even want to acknowledge that because we may be afraid God might do that. And we, like, we know and understand that what he may be wanting to do in our life is different than what we're wanting to see happen in our life. And so as a result, we avoid that prayer. And we pray around that. And here's what we're missing out. We're missing out on God's goodness when we do that. Because sometimes his will is painful. Sometimes his will is seasons of uncertainty. Sometimes his will could be a season of storms but we don't want to walk through that. We just want God to work it out so that it feels good. Proverbs 19:21 says, "Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail." Many are the plans of a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Proverbs 19:21. I want you to understand this and that that God wants to use you to activate and move and expand his kingdom and his will on this earth. He wants to do that. But understand if you're disobedient and stubborn and won't move, that's not gonna stop his will from being fixed on this earth. Does that make sense? So you have a choice. You can either surrender to that and be a part of that, or you can be stubborn and fight against that and miss your opportunity. But at the end of the day, what God has set in motion will come to pass. We have to understand that truth and we can either get on the train or we can get off. 
But I'd much rather be on that train. Come on, anybody? I'd much rather be on that train and be a part of that and see God's miracle. The children of Israel had the promise of entering into the promised land. That was a promise and was a part of God's will. But they get to the, to the edge of the promised land and they see they're going to have to fight. They don't like that idea. So they miss out on the promise. But God's will for his children, 40 years later after that first generation all died off in the, in the wilderness, they still entered the promised land. God's will was still made manifest. And so we can either get on or we can get off that train. Now, here's where we start with praise and God's agenda. This is where Jesus tells the disciples to start. But in honesty, like we probably don't start there. We go to this next part. It says, give us today our daily bread. How many of us start our prayers that way with asking for provision? We just totally bypass, God, you're incredible, you're amazing, thank you for just allowing me to wake up this morning, God, your will in my life. We just completely bypass all that, like, God, I really, like, I need you to work this situation out in my life. We jump, we bypass. The power is in the first part, but we want to bypass that to get to the provision. Now, there's nothing wrong with that when, when he says, give us this day, today our daily bread. And, and as he's saying this, like this is legit. People in this time and even in some parts of our world today, they don't know where their bread's gonna come from that day. And I look across this room and, and knowing in my life, like the majority of us, we don't have to worry about getting up in the morning and making a sandwich, right? If we don't have bread, I've got frozen waffles in the like freezer. I'll make a sandwich with some frozen, like come on. Peanut butter and waffles, incredible, incredible, and jelly, maybe, but peanut butter and waffles, incredible. So if you don't have bread, I've even made like turkey sandwiches with frozen Eggos. So <laughs> don't hate until you've tried it, right? <laughs> but in, in our culture, most of us, we can provide our daily bread. But what we have to remember is it's the bread, like the cash, that God provides for us that allows for us to purchase our daily bread. But, and we want to get wrapped up. He doesn't say, give us this bread that we need all week. Give us the bread that we need next month. But in our world today, we're so caught up with really having everything that we need today that we get anxious about tomorrow. And we know what Jesus says about being anxious about tomorrow. Don't do it. Thank you. <laughs> right? <laughs> because today has enough troubles of its own. That it's those that don't believe in God are the ones that are worrying about tomorrow, what they're gonna eat, what they're gonna wear, right? But we don't have to worry about tomorrow because there's enough stuff we need to take care of today. Most of us that have battled anxiety in this room, me being one of those, it's, it's not because of things that we're facing today, like, I remember moving here and, and trying to find jobs and worry about planning a church. I had my first, like, anxiety panic attack. And I, it's, like, it was, I woke up, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. The house was freezing. But I was sweating, like, profusely. And I didn't want to get out of bed. I was nauseous. And I was like, what? I don't understand this. And I was worrying. This was in, like, August or September, right after we moved here. I was worrying about planting the church in February months down the road. And most of us, if we were to look at our source of anxiety, it's not about what we're facing today. It's about what we, listen to me, listen, could face tomorrow. 
Could is the key word, right? And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worry of its own. And so for us, our daily bread that we need today is not physical bread. It's, it, it, it may be financial to pay bills, but it's probably not food for the most part. But it's, God, give me direction for today. Give me peace for today. Give me mercy for today. Guess what? You can't have tomorrow's mercies today because it says his mercies are made new when? Every morning. You can't borrow from tomorrow to get today. Get what you need today and then you'll have what you need tomorrow. Come on. Man, I wish I could rewind that and hear that myself. It was that good. Like, I mean, that's not even wrote down, right? <laughs> Come on. But, but uh, podcast, got you. <laughs> that's good. Preach it again. Rewind. No, okay. But we need to hear that. We need to hear that again. It's like God gives us what we need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. But He wants us. This is like, how many of you, being good parents, would give your child a stone if they ask for bread? A snake if they ask for fish. How much more you being sinful, me being good, would I give my children that ask? So ask for your provision. This next one's tough. He says, and forgive us our debts, our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors or those that sin against us. Guys, seeking forgiveness from our Father, but at the same time offering forgiveness to those who have hurt us is at the core of what the church and believers are supposed to be walking in. And Jesus says, as much as I have forgiven you, you are to forgive others. And guys, that is hard and I'm, I'm not gonna tell you I get it right all the time. Like there's a relationship in my life right now that is strained from that we have not stayed connected since the move like I thought we would. And it's not just hurting me, but it's also hurting other members of my family. And when that conversation comes up, and just being kind of raw here, when that conversation comes up, I get angry. And in that moment, I want to text them and let them know how angry I am. Not only do I want to text them, I want to text other people and let them know how they've hurt me so that I can get justification for the hurt that I have. But then I pause and I stop and I think about their life and what they're experiencing. They may have no idea how I'm feeling. That's why Jesus, while he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for what they know not what they do. And that's why, like, the last couple of days, just in prayer and even today telling the team, like, what would happen, guys, if you and I would start looking at people through the same lens that Jesus looked at people? This, this, this is a game changer. If we would look at people through a lens of love that Jesus did and through a lens of compassion, we would treat people way differently. We would speak to people way differently. We would not harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart like what we do at times. But in order for us to walk in all of this that God has for us, we have to understand that, that sometimes forgiving someone, Jesus says seven times, no, seven times 70, right? And so it's not a one-time thing. It's a over and over and over thing. And how many of you are glad that Jesus doesn't just forgive us one time? But come on. 
And it's like over and over and over. When we bring up things in our past that we've already received forgiveness for, he's like, I've already covered that. The enemy still reminds us. He's like, I've already forgiven you. Oh, thank, thanks, God. Or maybe things that we've done today or yesterday. It's like, God, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm a pastor of a church, and you know, I'm really angry right now or whatever. He's like, it's okay. I've covered you. How many of you are grateful for a father that forgives over and over and over? And so we have to, at the same time, walk in that same forgiveness. And episode four of our podcast, right when we were starting as a church, was talking about relationship status. And episode four is about how we walk in relationship with those that have hurt us. I encourage you, go back. Um, and just, just to know that God forgives us, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. So regardless of what you're carrying, what you're thinking about, what you've done, bring it to God. Because here's what I know. He already knows Right? If you try to hide it, you're only hurting yourself. You're not protecting yourself. But what we are to do, at the end, Jesus says this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as we're praying and we're spending this time, we're coming from a place of praise. We're coming from a place of putting God's agenda first in our life. Then we bring our petitions. God, this is what I need you to do in my life. God, if there's anything in me that offends you, forgive me. God, I've got bitterness in my heart. Help me to forgive those. So we walk through this. And then he says to um, ask for protection. Ask for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13. It's not on the screen, but write the reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul is talking about, he's given the church of Corinth some, some advice, and he says, look, don't think you're so great because don't think that you're above any sin. Because what happens at times is like, we start walking with Jesus for a while, and we don't realize it, but we can tend to have a pharisaical heart. And that means that we can look at someone else's sin and think because it's not our sin that we're better than them. And when you look at God's grading scale for sin, it's all an F, right? There's not some that are a C plus sin. No, it's all F, fail, right? But even in our failure, he's already made He's already made available to us that forgiveness. But what we have to understand is, is in moments where we're tempted, right? We know that we still live in this fallen world. And, and even though we pray, we go to church, we have Christian community, there are still times where we're tempted. But we also have to know, and Paul says this, that in the moments of temptation, he will provide a way out. In moments of temptation, he will provide a way out. Paul says that he will not, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure. So understand this. One, he allows temptation. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Why would God allow temptation? Because Paul says that when we go through trials and temptations of many kind, that we are made stronger and builds our resistance and our endurance. And really what it does is we go to God then it strengthens our connection to God as our source. But Paul says, look, you will never be tempted beyond what you can endure, and when you are tempted, I will provide a way out for you. Now, let me ask you, have you ever done or said something that you regretted? 
If you didn't nod your head, you just did that, okay? Because <laughs> you just lied in church, right? And, and right before that happened, was there a moment where you could have pumped the brakes? Every time, right? Now, it might not have been right there in that moment, but could it have been a day or two before where God opened a door? And Lou Giglio did an illustration on this once, and, and he says that, that God continues to provide a door. But each time, the door gets smaller. And it's not so much that the door gets smaller as we stop listening and we don't see it as often. That the first time God brings that open door, that way out, we see it. And he's not gonna push us through the door. How many of you would love that, right? He's not gonna push us through the door, but we have to take intentional steps out of that situation of temptation over to the exit. And so, like for our children, they know that as they get freedoms, that there's gonna be opportunities for them. And some, sometimes those freedoms, they will put themselves in, in opportune places. Sometimes they will just be going with the flow and they will find themselves there. And I read this years ago when I was a youth pastor and I encouraged my parents this. Anytime any of my girls, and they know this, they get in a position that they feel uncomfortable or they've found themselves in that they know they shouldn't be in, they can send me a text message with an X. That's all. It doesn't have to be long, Dad, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. No, just send me an X and I will call you. And then I will make a way to get you out of that situation so that it's not on you. Even though you may have got yourself in that position, I'm making the way to get you out of that position. And when you look at what our Heavenly Father's done, is that not what he's done? We put ourselves in that position. But he, through Jesus Christ, has made a way to get us out of that position. So that it's not on us to do the work, but it's on him because he's already done the work. And so that's why it's important that we make the decision before the decision. And understand God's going to make a way out. And then pray for him to protect us, to watch over us. And Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and we'll talk about this in October. Ephesians 6, Paul talks about putting on the full armor of prayer. Like, in, like really, I could take a whole message and talk about what is it like praying on the full armor of God. God, it's just not something that you read, but in the spiritual, as we're praying, putting on the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, putting on the helmet of salvation, picking up the shield of faith, putting on the shoes of the gospel, and then, last but not least, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we walk out of our house and we pray that on, we're walking out protected. And so many of us are walking around, for lack of a better term, naked spiritually because we haven't done the work that we need to do to be protected spiritually. But God has given us a pattern here now that we can pray for protection. We can pray for deliverance from temptation. And so we see this. So this pattern, guys, get it. Praise. God's agenda. Our provision that we need in our life. Forgiveness that we need to receive and also give in our life but then also God to protect us from the evil one and lead us not into temptation. Now, the last part is actually not in Jesus's pattern there, but it's seen all throughout scripture. And this is something that we fail to do in a lot of conversations. And it's this one. 
many of you have ever been in a conversation and they're talking and you see their mouth moving, but you're having a conversation with somebody else in your head? <laughs> yeah, a little trick to that, just catch like the last three or four words of whatever they say and like, you're not even listening. Like, yeah, I am. What did I say? Just repeat the last three or four words and you're good, right, babe? <laughs> See, I helped you guys, but now I can't use that trick anymore. <laughs> the jig is up, right? <laughs> but when it comes to prayer, when we stop talking, we end prayer. Would you guys agree? That most of the time when we're in a prayer session, when we're done talking, that's when the conversation ends. And really, that's when the conversation is just getting good. And we don't know how to sit still. We don't know how to sit in silence. And it's like, is God speaking? Absolutely, he's speaking. He can speak however he wants to. Um, he may speak audibly to you. He may speak through God's word a day or two later as you're reading God's word and he reveals something in his word. He may speak, we see in Elijah, through a still, small voice. And like, wait, where did... Where did that come from? I love it when that happens, guys. Now, early on, here's what you will have to wrestle with. Wait, is, is that me? Am, am I talking to myself? Like, this doesn't make sense. But as you practice and as you listen, you will know when it's different. And that's all I got, right? I, I, can't, I can't put a description on it because it's supernatural. That you're hearing through the Holy Spirit from the one who created you, but you will know that it's different because it will be a prompting, it will be a nudge, and lean into that. And it's awesome when it happens. Like there's moments and times where, where I'm just praying and I'm not like in a prayer session, but I'm just walking throughout my day and I feel like the Holy Spirit nudged me and I will text someone and sometimes it's for that moment or it's not, but we don't know unless we're listening. One of my, man, Planting this church has just brought about so many miraculous things in seeing God move, and it's not always in the big things that, that really, like, wow me, but it's in the little things because Scripture says that, that he knows even the number of hairs on our head. Like, he's into the details. And today, two years ago, when I texted the guy last night when I was sitting, two days, today, August 22nd, two years ago, um, we had been in the city not even a month. We moved into our house August 1st. And I was working for this company called Soccer Shots, just a little part-time gig coaching soccer because I thought, you know, I coached all of my kids growing up, you know, in soccer and basketball, and I get paid like 20 bucks an hour to do this. Heck yeah, I'll do that. But I didn't know it was going to be with two and three-year-olds. <laughs> and so like my first day on the job is like we're kicking the soccer balls around, and this girl looks up at me. She's just terrified. And like I'm like, did I scare you? And she was like, I got to go. And I'm like, what do you mean you got to go? She's like, I got to go potty. And I didn't get her out in time. We didn't make it to the bathroom. So there was all over the soccer ball. She'd peed all over the floor. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I'm supposed to be playing the church? Like, what do you got me doing? This makes no sense. And so on August 22nd, I was at a daycare over on Cason Lane, and I just had a rough couple of days, like legit rough couple of days. And all the way there, my first session was at 9 o'clock. I would get there about 8.30. Driving there, I'm just praying, God, 
you know, we're not building our team. I don't have the funds coming in. Am I supposed to be doing this? I don't understand. And so I'm setting up my little soccer cones and putting up the nets and just thinking, just really like hating life in some sense. Like I'm a 42-year-old man and I'm coaching two-year-olds at soccer. God, I'm supposed to be doing big things, planting a church. Why aren't you showing up? And so I go and I go to get my first class. My first class is at nine o'clock. And I don't know if I got this on the screen. I hope I got it to you in time. Um, I get a text message. I get a text message from Frank Romeo, and he was one of my friends back in Jackson. And this was the scripture that he sent me in that moment, and may God, my God, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You can't see it, but that text message was sent at nine o'clock in the morning. So for the last 30 minutes, I'd been praying, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show up. I go in at 8.58 to get my kids, start my soccer session. God was answering my prayer. And so I texted him last night. I was like, I didn't get the thousands of dollars and dozens of people in that moment. And it would be a year and a half later before we would start our church. But that just let me know that God was listening. And you know how I was able to know that God was listening? Because Frank was listening. Because in the moment, this is what I believe, in the moment that I was praying, Romeo is what I called him, Romeo, Romeo. <laughs> Frank was, was praying, and he felt a nudge by the Holy Spirit to send me a text message, not knowing that by him listening and being obedient, he was answering my prayer. And so many times we think like, well, if God's gonna speak, it's gonna be big. Most of the time, no, because he's gonna wanna know that we're paying attention. And so I wanna encourage you, listen, and I want you to spend most of the time there. Say what you need to say, as John Mayer said years ago, say what you need to say, and then just listen and allow the Holy Spirit to speak in and through you, through your spirit, through his word, through other people. And then I promise you, so going back, you know, Paul says in Thessalonians, like, pray without ceasing, pray at all times. But then can you even pray for an hour? We look at this, and I found this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you guys may or may not have heard that, that name. Crazy, crazy, uneducated plumber who did really, really ridiculous things for God. Like, he pulled people out of caskets and threw them up against the wall, and they were brought back to life. Like I was reading the story, there was a, a toddler who had spina bifida and the mom brought him on the stage and he punted him like a football into the crowd. I'm not saying I'll ever do this, but the kid walked out completely healed. Like God works in ways that we can't wrap our minds around, right? And so to have this kind of power and God move through him, you guys are gonna go Google Smith Wigglesworth and be like, who is this guy? Bring him to church. He's been dead for like 100 years. If he comes back and preaches, like he can have the pulpit, he can have the church, right? Because <laughs> he's way closer to God than I'll ever be. But, but you, you read his story, and he talks about God's power in prayer and his word, and he makes this statement. He says, I don't often spend more than half an hour praying at one time, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. And so how do we pray without ceasing? It's not praying for hours and hours and hours, but it's throughout the day bringing God into the conversation. It's understanding that prayer is a conversation that never stops. It starts with the first conversation that you have. It starts then, 
and then it never stops. Even when you take your last breath on this side of eternity, that conversation still continues when you're at the feet of the throne. And just think about when, when we are in God's presence, we're not telling him what we need, we're talking about how awesome he is. And there's something I want you to think about as and I saw this last night as we're reading through the Lord's Prayer. Jesus makes some things very, very subtle. He says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. But then he says this, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Forgive us. He's talking to a community. That prayer is supposed to take place individually, but it's also supposed to take place for you in a community. That you're not supposed to be doing this on your own, by yourself, but within a family. Whether that's Avenue Church or another church, but more importantly, the family of God. So that you can call to him, Father. Because he wants to be your father. He wants you to be his son, his daughter, regardless if you've left the house, left the family. He still wants to bring you back in. Regardless if you've never had that relationship and you've been orphaned without a father. Or maybe even your earthly father was not the greatest example. He wants to be the best example. And this Eternal conversation starts with the first conversation by just saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want some of you today that maybe need to start this conversation to have the opportunity to do that. It's not my words that save you, but it's yours. And in just a moment, we're going to pray and you get to start the conversation. It's going to be awkward at first. Yes. Are you going to run out of things to say? Yes. But he simply just wants the conversation to start. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you view yourself or, or, or how you see others viewing you. What matters most is how our Heavenly Father views you. And so if that's you and you're in this room today and you need a relationship with Christ and want a fresh start, I'm gonna ask you just very quickly just to lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. and then put it right back down. And in this moment, I believe in the Holy Spirit just to move on hearts and lives. And for the rest of us, it's, it's my desire that we would continue to grow in walking in prayer and conversation and know that our prayers have power and produce wonderful results. every head bowed and eyes still closed as, as we pray in just a moment. Those of you who raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand but your heart's lifted and you're afraid of what other people may think. In a moment as I pray, I want you to start the conversation at your seat by saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to trust you. I believe that, that you've made the way out for me. I believe that, that you've made the sacrifice for me and I want to give my life to you. 
So, Father, we just come to you this morning, God, and I thank you for your incredible presence here this morning during worship and just the power of your word that cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, revealing who we are and encouraging us to change. And God, for those who have lifted their hands saying that they need a relationship with you to to be able to call you Father, to be a part of your family, to be a part of your community, whether it's Avenue Church or one of the more incredible, other incredible churches here in the community. More importantly, God, I want them to be a part of your family. And so we call on our Father this morning. We put you in your rightful place in our lives, on the throne, at the center. We recognize that you are our source for all things. We recognize that you are our strength in all seasons. God, we ask that that, that your will would be done in our lives, that we may have plans how we think things ought to go, but it's our desire to see your kingdom, your way of doing things on this earth, that your will for our lives. God, we all have things that we wrestle with. We all have things that we need to receive. We need resources. We need relationships. We need healing. We need restoration. We need wisdom. We need clarity. There are all these things that we need. But God, I pray that we would trust you with it for today and not worry about tomorrow, but trust that when we ask and we don't doubt that we receive. Open our eyes to see to see that answer. God, I pray that you would just forgive all of us, Father, where we've fallen short of your standard, where we have broken your heart, God, where we have let you down, where we have trampled at times even on the goodness and the love and the grace and the mercy that you've poured out on your people where we've been negligent with the gift of salvation and forgiveness, God. For those of us who are following you, forgive us. That most of the time, that is the most overt sin is to fail to recognize you working in our life. God, there are those of us that we're walking around with baggages and with wounds and with scars and we pick at those wounds whenever we think about someone that's hurt us. For some of us, we've been stabbed in the back and slapped in the face. We've been criticized. We've been abandoned. And we want our justification. We want justice to be served. So God, I pray that you would help us to forgive those that have hurt us. To trust you with judgment. To trust you with the consequences and the outcomes to not allow the bondage of unforgiveness and anger to take root in our hearts and our lives to prevent us from seeing the goodness in our life. God, open our eyes to see those that have hurt us like you see them, like lost sheep without a shepherd, confused, not knowing which way to go. God, as we face our work week and our Mondays and our Tuesdays and throughout the week, whether it's at school or whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, wherever we're at, God, I pray that you would watch over your people. 
God, your word says that we can find shelter and find protection in the shadow of your wings. That when things get scary and the storms are rough, you never promised a storm-free life, but you promised a storm-proof life. And you told us that in this life, we will have many trials and struggles, but to take heart because you've overcome them all. God, that we would run to you for protection, that we would run to you for consolation, for comfort, not to other things, not to other people, not to addictions, not to other things, but we would run to you as our safe place to protect us. God, we're not perfect. You see that we've fallen, that sometimes our heart can be far from you, and, but you love us just the same. And by unwise choices and even out of rebellion sometimes or ignorance, sometimes we find our places in situations and circumstances making decisions that are apart from you. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the exit strategy that you have for our life. God, that you would remind us to keep our mouth closed and to repent and turn the other direction. That you would set our values on things above and not what we see here, God. Help us to make wise choices. And when we fail you, help us to recognize the way out. And most importantly, God, we thank you and we acknowledge that you've made the eternal way out, the eternal exit through your son, that it's in him and his name that we have life and have it more abundantly, that it's in him and a relationship with him that we have entrance into your presence and into your kingdom and into relationship with you. And so, Father, help us to always follow you. God, as we go about our week, help us to walk in favor, walk in wisdom, walk in health and wholeness, walk in prosperity, not for ourselves, but to bless others. Father, we ask all of this in the name that's above every name, the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the name in which every answer is yes and amen in him and him alone. And we thank you. just in your seat right where you're at I just ask that just in your own way in your own words just for a moment would you just acknowledge God's presence it's a whisper if it's a thought if it's a cry in your heart We seal this word, we seal this series, we seal this desire to grow closer to you in prayer on our hearts. But let it not just be hidden in our hearts, let us walk it out in relationship with you and others. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap.